Happy Red Friday, everybody. Got a special edition Broncos preview for you today. Uh, thanks to Joel Thorman and Arrowhead Pride for hosting us. Um, and thanks, as always, to each of our listeners. Please mosey over to iTunes, if you haven't done so already, and review the show. Tell us what you really think, uh, which obviously you think it's awesome. But uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your buddy at work. Uh, we're trying to trying to grow the show as much as we can, and we need your help doing that. Uh, we will also, obviously, be very happy to accept your donations. Go over to paypal.me slash ahpkc. And every dollar, no matter how big or how small, any amount, will go to improving your listening experience of the show. And without further ado, let's talk some Chiefs and some, well, Broncos. From the minds of Ryan Scott Hall and his darkness, and presented in part by Arrowhead Pride. Lamar Hunt, Arrowhead Stadium, tailgating, Marty Ball, and King Carl. Marcus Allen, Montana Magic, Mile High Miracles. Oh, baby, what a play. Derek Thomas and Neil Smith, Casey Wolf, Jason Whitlock, and Joe Piznanski. Dick Vermeil, Trent Green, Tony G, Priest Holmes, the greatest offensive line ever assembled, and even the no-punt game. Herm, then Haley and Pioli and the Patriot Way, 27-7, and 7, Candy Wrappers, Romeo, and Airplanes. Be safe and be easy. Andy, Alex, DJ Specials, Puff Puff Pass Rush, Travis Kelsey, Jamal freaking Charles. We're Raider haters. We despise the donkeys, and red is always our Sunday best. If Home of the Chiefs gives you chills, you're in the right place. If this song means touchdown, you're in the right place. Whether you're in Kansas City, Bogota, London, Moscow, or Memphis, right now, it's football season. And buddy, you're listening to Amateur Hour. Well... Come into Amateur Hour, folks, on a special Red Friday football edition. Football! You got Ryan Scott Hall. And that dude is darkness. So, well, you know, just chilling. Just uh, got out this morning. Had to work off a little uh, little turkey off my midsection. Yep. You have a big plate yesterday, Dirk? Yep. I yeah. worked off the turkey of my midsection, probably in a different way than you, but yeah. much the same. Right on. Right on. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, that's cool. To each their own. Uh, but yes, I ate for. You always, you always, you know me as like a dainty eater. You know. You are yes. You, you're, you call uh, me. A, you regularly call me a child. Well, when it comes I mean, to my eating habits, some of that is just the fact that you have cereal for dinner. Like, I don't know if I call it dinner. Three, it's it's post midnight. Three hundred and fifty <laughs> out of three hundred sixty-five days. A I year. have a regular one a.m. date with cereal. Yes. <laughs> um. But I ate for well over an hour yesterday, just just so you know. I shed roughly two to three layers. I was down to my skivvies at the dinner table because I was sweating meat out. For some reason, it was too hot in my mom's house. I think she, cause she had the fire going. Uh, but yeah, I, everyone has to stay at the table until everyone's done, you know, that kind of thing. And I made everybody wait an excruciating long amount of time. Yeah. It was great. Did, did you tell everyone what you're thankful for? I did. Yeah, what are you thankful for this year? 
I know I'm I'm the sentimental guy. I make you do this every year, but <laughs> <laughs> I went with the three lucky ladies in my life: my mom, my, my lady friend, and my boss. Okay. All all very wonderful ladies. All blessed to be in my life. Awesome. Right Not there. Uh, yeah, they are blessed to be in my life, but I'm blessed because they're in my life. That's cool. Well, uh, what about you, buddy? You know, I'm I'm thankful for uh, a lot of answered prayers this year for myself. Uh, I really wanted to get back into school, and I'm getting ready to finish the semester with straight A's. Whoa! Uh, Look at you. My car. You've, you've been so busy this this fall, and I've oh, just been watching you from afar. <laughs> like, man, I, it just makes me want to do less. Yeah. <laughs> It, it makes me want to do less, too. So if you're wondering why best and worst haven't occurred this year, you guys can blame Ryan Scott Hall for how busy he seemed, <laughs> how stressed he seems all the time. Uh, you know, I also, uh, my car has been falling apart for like a couple years. Been there? And basically, like, was just, when I was praying about it, I was just like, Lord, I, I can't afford to pay for a car. <laughs> I can't. I need someone that just out of the kindness of their heart wants to buy me a car. And that's why you're and, donating to this podcast. Yeah, no. And, and out of nowhere, my dad and my stepmom said, hey, we want to buy you a car. So uh, that's awesome. We're, we're car shopping right now. Uh, but you said some, some cool stuff like that happened this year. Uh, 2016 has been really, I think, tough for a lot of people, but, but pretty, good, pretty good for me. So I'm not, not trying to like Humble to gloat or anything, but 2016 has <laughs> but been, a, been a pretty solid year. Look, everybody, you may have had a shitty year this year, but mine's been awesome. <laughs> um, what's, let's, let's talk some, some Kansas City Chiefs here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know you have had the opportunity to re-watch the game. Again, not busy at all over here. Right, right. Uh, so, what, what were your big takeaways after re-watching the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Pirates? Um, let's see, where to start here? I defended the Kelsey sweep pretty good. I was kind of in that boat. <laughs> yeah. After rewatching it, I, I, I fold on it. I give in. Uh, the worst part is that it immediately followed the Tyreek Hill end around, the jet so, sweep. It was so the we did next a jet play. sweep was before or after? The Tyreek one was first and uh-huh. went for like 11 yards. Right. And then Travis Kelsey's was the very next play. Um, to the same side. So it was basically just like the D end was like, was ready. It was the perfect time for a fake because he was just like, "Oh, hey, the jet suit coming again." Yeah. And if he would have faked it, he would have gotten got. It's just I think Andy just missed on that one. Okay. Um, but other than that, I, th- I think it works because if that DN isn't ready for it, Kelsey should shoot right by him. It's an easy touchdown. So, uh, but uh, I like to defend play calls. I, you know, I always get in this because it's impossible to give your opinion on a play call without seeing the result. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. You'd have to like pause the play, like, oh, I see what's coming. I like this play call. Let's see if it works now. You can't do that. It's impossible. You yeah. always see the results. So it's just like, hey, that play didn't work. Sucky play call. Right. Plus, football's way too exciting to like pause right when the action <laughs> yeah. starts and be like, all right, so give me your thoughts on the play call so far. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to go for that. That's what I do on Sunday night when everyone's over at my house. I'm going to pause. <laughs> what do you guys think? What are we, we going to pass here? <laughs> are we going to be like, Dirk? Play the goddamn game! You used to be really good with the clicker. <laughs> um, Alright, so that play of the call is bad. The third and one shotgun pass. I went back and I really wanted to see those third and one, third and twos that we messed up on. Uh, third and one was a shotgun pass. It made no sense. It was a terrible play call. That was, that was much worse. I don't, I don't understand it at all. Uh, the third and two was on a read option that we ran. 
every read option we ran in the game was horrible. Every single one didn't work. Well, uh, so maybe scrap that one or figure something out. But the maybe the Buccaneers just defended it well. Maybe they're just ready yeah. for it. But the, those play calls did not work all game. I, f- I feel like... It did work out of the uh, Wildcat. I'll say that. I yeah. I didn't... Okay, so I, I did not rewatch the game. Um, but if memory serves, I feel like, number one, obviously, uh, because of the, the theme that people have talked about with Alex not running the ball, and there's loads of statistical evidence to back that up. Um, the only time I really remember Alex keeping the ball is in the Indianapolis game after he was already yeah. not concussed. Yeah. Um, and I feel like most of the time, and this is again, it's those like when you're talking about play calls, hindsight always it's twenty twenty. But it seems like so often I'm like, Alex, why didn't you keep that? Yeah. And I feel like I did see that a couple times in the Tampa game where like the defensive end on that he should be reading is sucking inside for the run and he doesn't just keep it and go. Well it's kinda there's like a new way to defend the read option because you're supposed to read that defensive end, right? Yeah. But teams now kind of crash that defensive end and have that your inside linebacker ready to swing out with the quarterback. It's okay. like he's in a spy. Okay. So I think it's it's kind of a read option beater. I would say. Uh, I know the third and two. It, it looks wide open for Alex, but that that inside linebacker is just waiting, so he wouldn't have gotten okay. anywhere. But there was one later on where Alex had some room. He would have okay gained some yards and he handed that off. Um, Chiefs run defense missed a staggering number of tackles in the backfield. Uh, one of my favorite stats from the game was. Doug Martin's 63 yards on the ground, but 69 yards after contact. Hmm. Um, so uh, that added up to me. We, I mean, we had we were all over in the backfield, and he kept getting away and getting like two yard gains. Yeah. So, so we just finished those plays. Uh, the run defense looks good. Looks good. I was happy with where it was. If I if I may pile on that real quick, um, just just because it's topical, um, I was in in my. Preparation for Denver, um, I came across that they are the sixth sixth worst team in the league as far as forcing uh, missed tackles, like on offense. Okay. So they're basically, let's call it like the sixth least elusive running team in the NFL. Gotcha. So I would love to see the defense kind of stick to that theme and bear that out because I know... You, um, I, I don't know that you ever get more heated than missed tackles. <laughs> um, there's a, I, there's always a, a triple tackle that comes out of your mouth. Tackle, tackle, tackle! <laughs> and, um, so. I hope that scared everybody on the podcast with how loud it was. <laughs> right. It's way scarier in my living room. Um, so I, I would just, I'd like to see them not, you know, go against the grain there with Denver and, and really clean it up. Well, I think it's a credit to Doug Martin, who was one of the better running backs last year. Hadn't played all season, so he's fresh. Mm-hmm. And he got the game under his belt the week before. So I think Doug, we got Doug Martin at his very best, I think. Yeah, the muscle hamster. Um, beyond that, I thought Don Tari Poe had an off game. Um, he didn't seem all that involved. And whether that's because he's injured, I think he showed up on the injury report. Back. Um, Back's but, flaring up. Ouch, that's concerning. Yeah. Uh, I, it's... I couldn't tell if he was injured, if he was tired because he's playing too many snaps with our other defensive linemen out, or, I mean, someplace he just didn't seem all that interested, and that kind of fits into tired and injured. Yeah. So that was kind of concerning, uh, something to keep an eye on. Um, and then, my number one takeaway, Steven Nelson got roasted. Yeah. 
Steven Nelson got thrown at all day. All day. And I think we have a bit of a cornerback problem. I mean, especially if Marcus Peters is out. Like, I came away thinking Marcus Peters is easily the most <laughs> valuable chief right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that's because of the team behind him. But even, I like Gaines, but he's so fragile at this point. Acker started over him. Acker was playing all the defensive snaps. Gaines was still coming in in that nickel roll. It's like we still don't have, and, and one of the known little-known secrets of the season is that we've listed Gaines as the starter, even though Nelson is the one who actually starts, and Gaines yeah. plays the nickel. Um, but like He plays the he third plays most the, amount of snaps, but he doesn't play the slot. Right, Nelson he plays, plays the, the slot, boundary slot. corner. Yes. Um, well, and, and what I would say, and some of this is me uh, just trying to back up, um, it's... it's uh, Positive reinforcement or whatever. Um, I'm I'm my my confirmation bias, if you will. There you go. Um, I think that DJ White is that starter. Okay. And when he broke his hand and has missed the last few games, that's been a that's been a big time blow to the defense, um, especially when Peters goes out and you're starting to see Kenneth Acker play for the first time all season, really, and he's played well. I thought Ackler looked pretty good. He's kind of allergic to tackling. There's oh, yeah. a few times where he was like kind of in there in the running game. He kind of just didn't, not, didn't want to do it. Yeah, it was like, well, I mean, uh, somebody else want to get this guy, and I'll just kind of, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> play <laughs> hand hand slap with this receiver. Yeah. Well, I think that DJ White was available last week. I want to say he was even active last week, I think but so, yeah. didn't play. Um, and I would say regardless of whether we see Peters this week, we probably will see some DJ White getting mixed back in. Um, and people may, th- I would, I would venture to say that most people's memory of DJ White is against Pittsburgh and DJ White has had a lot more good than bad on the season. And I don't think that's even just in the, in the scope of like, he's a six round pick. Like I think that just football wise, he's had a lot more good than bad on the field. I see that. Um, we're just super young at corner. Yeah, I mean that's that was the concern going into the season. There's, there's too many questions at the cornerback position. Yeah, I mean the the veteran that we had was Marcus Peters starting 18 games last year. Yeah, that was our our only veteran really, and that's why I wanted to keep Marcus Cooper, even though he hadn't started more games, but it was just somebody that had been in the league for like five seasons. Yes. Um, one thing on Nelson, real quick, because I know that we had both kind of started to turn the corner on him a little bit. Like, yeah. man, this guy's really competitive. And he even had a couple nice plays. He broke up that he touchdown. He had that late breakup on Evans, yeah. Um, he must have been... I haven't seen numbers. I tried to look for numbers. He must have been targeted 15 times on Sunday. Yeah. Like, the Buccaneers came out and were like, we're going to throw at Steven Nelson. Well, one of the things that, that everyone should keep in mind, Nelson hasn't really practiced all week. Um, I saw he was newly added to the injury report. I, is it a practice thing? Or? I think it's a, a neck, maybe. I can't remember exactly what it is. I haven't looked at the injury report that well, um, primarily because God, it's ugly. It's quick a, quick note on this. Field. The injury report is supposed to come out while we're recording, so we're going to take a break at some point in the middle and then hopefully have an update on where we are, where we are at with injuries. Okay. And I think that... I mean, the secondary is obviously really important. Um, did, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on Tampa, or can we transition well, into Well, mostly just Denver? Stephen Nelson, right where you are. I mean, a few weeks ago, he was the number one slot corner on PFF. Really? And we were talking him up. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't see it, but I don't rewatch every game. So I don't have these strong opinions from every game, but I have a strong opinion from that game, and Nelson was bad at it. 
And what? so it goes back to my preseason concern. He was like my number one concern in the preseason. Like this mm-hmm. corner who we know, know nothing about might get abused. Mm-hmm. And also, I think they prepared to play like Peters was going to play because they hardly ever threw at Acker, and he was basically playing Peters' role. And then the one time they did throw at Acker, like the first throw at him was an out and up, which is funny because <laughs> it's the one route that beats Marcus Peters. Acker was all over it and should have had the interception, but dropped it, which is, is that, like, it, which was the catch Marcus Peters makes a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. So it was kind of that was a funny play for me. I was, I had a, a good chuckle, a good two a.m. chuckle. Um, and that's it. That's all I got. Along that theme, just as far as the defensive backs are concerned, um, a, a quick look at what may just you know people's reaction may be, yeah, thank, thanks for that, Captain Obvious, but. Um, I, I look at Denver's offense, and so the Chiefs right now have seven wide receivers with over 20 catches. Denver has two. You know who they are. Um, the vast majority of their production through the air is just, it's Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Now, it, it's weird because their numbers are almost identical. They have I like 55 and 54 catches. They're within like 30 yards of each yep. other. And, and Thomas has more touchdowns. But um, And they've kind of gone in shifts too because it was like uh, people were talking about how Demarius Thomas and Sim, Simeon like weren't on the same page. And it was Sanders that was kind of getting the bulk of the work early. Yeah. And now it's evened back out. Yeah. But like... All of these other receivers that they have, they have a few guys in the teens as far as catches are concerned, but like you can see the huge difference, the, the disparity between like having outside receiver talent and then re- I guess maybe even just Andy Reid's offense. Because the Chiefs, I mean, seven guys over 20 catches on the team, like that's insane. That is truly spreading the ball around, and. You just don't really know where it's going, other than inside of ten yards. As, as far as as far as what we do, so defending, but, but longer than Sam Bradford. Go. Yeah, but but defending Denver, um, in in the passing game, so much of it is about being able to cover Thomas and Sanders, yep. and so if you don't have Peters, like that is that is obviously worrisome. We don't have to worry about the same kind of crap that we did with Peyton Manning with all the different rub routes and getting the ball out really quickly. Simeon is not Peyton Manning at all. Um, and he's actually kind of limited. He doesn't throw the ball downfield very well. He and Alex Smith are actually pretty similar, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I but, think Simeon's better than, than most. Most think he's just completely terrible. I've been uh, he's adequate. impressed by some of his throws, I'll say that. I just, um, I, I, at least in sticking with the conversation about the defensive backs, it's going to be really, really important that they are successful more often than not against those receivers because Denver doesn't offer a whole lot else with their tight ends or their other receivers or really even at running back right now. They're, they're still fairly limited. Uh, yeah, I got some running back numbers here. Um, since since C.J. Anderson went down, they, uh, they, they abused the Texans on the ground with C.J. Anderson and Booker, who is now the bell cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, rushing yards in the three games, 57-33-103. And that 103 is against the Saints, so that's like 50 against any other team. Yeah, I would say <laughs> that like overall, I think that Denver's offense is slightly less explosive, and they, don't, they haven't tended to run the ball very well. Um, so Devontae Booker, as the starter... 
he's averaging 18 carries for 59 yards and like two catches for 14 yards. Doesn't really offer a whole lot in the passing game. Unfortunately, though, um, I went through and I looked at Spencer Ware. We know that um, for a while now, even with missing the Jacksonville game, and maybe that's still, he's just like, maybe he's not 100%. Um, but with the way that the offense has been playing lately, his numbers have uh, suffered greatly. Um, Spencer Ware as a starter this season, which is 9 of the 10 games, 15 carries for 71 yards. And minus week 1, when he went out and he had 7 grabs for like 130 yards, he's averaging 2 catches for 26 yards a game. Um, That's right. So I mean, he's not a receiving back. He just had a well, right, receiving right. explosion. And that was the thing was that we. I remember. I, I'm pretty sure the stat was the seven catches that he had in week one was more than he had in all of his games in I think 2015. So, yeah. I think so. He had like six catches the previous season. So um, he doesn't seem to be getting involved in the passing game, and some of that I think is, um, you know. The NFL is about matchups, and everyone. I, I know that that maybe sounds kind of passe because that's what everyone says uh-huh. now, but it really is. And sometimes I think that maybe we get a little bit too uh, predictable in that way, where it's like if Sharkandrick West comes on the field, it's because we're probably throwing the ball, not necessarily to him, but like that just seems. He gets involved as like that third down back, that third down style back. Mm-hmm. And Spencer Ware, it's like you're, you'll just run the ball between the tackles for the most part. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't like that about the Chiefs' offense. Um, I know that. I imagine both of us are expecting, at least if the Chiefs are going to win, a big game from Spencer Ware. Yes, that that's that's where this thing needs to be headed. Yes, um, absolutely. I. I want to ask you: Is is there a specific reason why you think that he hasn't been able to get more involved? Um, I mean, because really, the only thing that seems to bear that out is Parker Anger. Like, is that the only thing that we can see? Is that when he's not on the field, they haven't been as effective? Um, and aside from that, dude, where are the screens? We have this line that we the team likes to go. Um, horizontal. More? We want more screens now? I mean, I thought that at least with the running backs, like, why are we not... We're not seeing running back screens at all. I saw stuff. What, we're, what we're seeing is throwing the ball out to the receivers yeah. and getting screens on the edge with throwing tight ends and stuff out there to try to block it. But, like, where where is, are the delayed throws and stuff? Almost everything with the running back is... That's technically Alex's safety valve, but it seems like the play is designed to go to the running back flaring out. Alex will, like, read, read, and then throw over here, but that's the play design the whole time. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, well, Seth, I saw Seth tweet out that he didn't see a single screen against the Buccaneers. Like, to anyone or just to the running backs? No, nobody. Okay. Not a single screen all game. So that's, that's noteworthy. Um, but let's go back to Spencer Ware. Um... I think he's been fine the last couple weeks. Um, I think he's just suffered from the game flow. The other team has kept the ball. I mean, our third down defense the last couple weeks has been dreadful, and therefore we've had the ball for less than 25 minutes on offense each of the last two games. Mm-hmm. So the offensive stats from the last two games just don't look right. We're just not running many plays. We don't have many drives. There's not many opportunities. But he's averaged he averaged 4.7 against Carolina, a good run defense, and then 4.1 against Tampa Bay, which is... 
okay. He's averaging 4.9 for the season, which is where you want to see him. Um, but I think the running game, I think there's a chance we tried to skate by a little with Tampa Bay, knowing how many carries Spencer Ware is about to get against Denver and Oakland. Like, we should be able to run the ball on both those teams, and it wouldn't shock me to see, like, 30 carry games from Spencer Ware. I mean, that's how you beat these teams. It's just going to be whether or not Andy sticks to it. Um, something that was really interesting, I listened to uh, the the star pod, the post game after Tampa, and at least from the way that they talked about because we've, we've had plenty of discussions about struggles in the red zone. Um, I think that watching the Thanksgiving games yesterday, you see that a lot of teams struggle in the red zone. And that may be a theme league-wide outside of Dallas, basically. We should also bring up the uh, the Raiders play from the one-yard line on Monday night. Remember that? When um, they lined up with the uh, offensive lineman out wide and right. ran a bootleg with a, a pivot route to an offensive lineman. And there were only like two people that ran around. And, and one of them was like their left tackle. From the one-yard line. Yeah. And I was like, wow, look at that. So what what Therese was mentioning in the postgame from Tampa – and some of this was, I think, because of like the tight end, end around and whatnot. But he said, you know, you look at some of the stuff that Andy has been doing down at the goal line. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of jubilation around it. But Hungry Pig Right is something that we threw the ball to a defensive tackle. Now, what they're saying is that it looks like maybe the offensive line is just ill-equipped to win. That is what Therese said. In a situation said. like that. Therese yeah. said they don't trust the offensive lineman in power situations like that. Right. And, I mean... I haven't seen much evidence of it, really. That sucks, man, that you can't just, like, line up on third and one or third and two and run the football. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like they've tried enough for me to feel confident one way or the other. Yeah. That this is the right decision or the wrong one. And so some of that ends up with just people being pissed off that we didn't try. Run the ball, Andy, run the ball, run the ball. But, I mean, look at look at not giving the ball to Marshawn in the Super Bowl. Look at the rematch, not giving the ball to LeGarrette Blunt and hey, trying to throw a fade to Gronk. Like, I mean... <laughs> I defended the Seattle throw, by the way. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just seeing... The fade like, to Gronk was so bad. But, but that's the kind of stuff that we're no, seeing, you're right. is that you're right. maybe there's... A theme league wide that people are either trying to get too smart. Um, well, the thing is, you can't. You, you talked about predictability earlier. You can't do that in the running game earlier. Look at our defense. We have a tremendous third and one defense. I think because we just sell out, mm-hmm. you guys are going to run and we're going to stop it. You can you can get cute and throw it, and you'll you'll pick up the first down. But you're going to have to get cute. Yeah. And it's almost like we kind of attack it knowing that on offense. Like, let's show power. You guys are going to think power and try and get cute. And maybe we're just overthinking it at this point. And, I mean, it's a long season. You can't you can't power run on every third down. You have to get cute sometimes. But then there's also time to power on it. Yeah, it just it seemed like, at least as far as Therese was concerned, he said a lot of the, the cutesy crap that we've seen in the red zone that has ultimately been a failure this season is based on them just not Obviously, it's them not showing faith in, in them to be able to run the ball, like power run. Um, but it seems like he said, you know, the, the offensive line is still very young and they're going to need to take an off season to get a lot stronger because you can't have a running back like Spencer Ware 
and have a fullback like Anthony Sherman and not feel competent to line up in the I formation and third and one or third and two and pick up short yardage. Yep. Like that's that's I don't care if it's today's NFL and you you want to spread things out. I'm like you, you should I'm, be able to do that. I'm giving I'm trying to give uh, light of what they're thinking, mm-hmm. but I'm ready to see it too. Right. If we got the ball in the four yard line, it's first and goal. Runs once Spencer Ware four times. Let me see them stop it four times in a row. Absolutely. If we're in third and one, give it to Spencer Ware two times in the middle. Yeah. Let me see them stop it. I'm I'm absolutely with you. Let's uh let's take a quick break and try to see if the injuries have come up, and then we'll refocus on some things on the back half of the show. All right, welcome back in, folks. Uh, we got those uh, injury reports handed to us. We were uh, drove down to Arrowhead, one Arrowhead drive just now, and uh, received them uh, from the team themselves, and we are now back. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. It looks like, um, well, geez, where are these reports? They're right in front of me. Uh, Nelson, Macklin, D. Ford, Tomba, Jay Howard, Don Poe, and Derek Johnson did not practice today for the Chiefs. Um, are those players good? Yeah, yes. Yes, they are. Unequiv- um, unequivocally. <laughs> Therese said Tomba and DJ should be good to go. Um, Peters did practice today. So it looks like the big question marks are Macklin, D. Ford, J. Howard, Don Taripo, and Steve Nelson. Um, that's so, tough. So four it's guys tough. on defense? <laughs> it's tough. Um, you're looking at a situation, too, where the Broncos are getting real healthy, too. Because I think their entire team practice minus C.J. Anderson, who's on IR. Yep. Uh, but they're getting very healthy, which means Tlaib is back. They're coming off a bye. Derek Wolf is back. Wolf and Tlaib, I think, have missed three or four straight games. Maybe just been out of it. Yeah. And uh, we are about to dive into this Chiefs passing offense against the Broncos defense. But PFF has uh, released their top 25 corners this week. And first and third were both Broncos. Tlaib being number one. Chris Harris being number three. Um, they are an excellent pair of cornerbacks. Uh, yeah, so at, like at, by comparison... Um, the, the Denver corners, they're allowing less than 50% completions to wide receivers. The only team in the league that's that's doing that. Um, they're, they've got a, a pretty interesting group on defense because at, earlier this year, before D. Ford started playing well, I said, it really sucks that Denver has four pass rushers that I would take over anyone that's healthy on the team right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I feel that way anymore, uh, seeing as D. Ford has more sacks even than Von Miller does, and Justin Houston is now back on the field. Um, but they've got a very capable pass rush. It's not just the corners that they've got. Yeah, They're, Oh, it's but their defense is built pass rushers and corners. That's, that's pretty it. much it. And yeah. they've, they gutted the inside this offseason because they can't pay everybody, mm-hmm. and that's why you're seeing the uh, holes in their run defense. But attacking the corners, I know you wanted to, uh, to get to some of that. Well, yeah, well, I want to talk about Alex Smith. Uh, I think there's lots of pressure on him this week. Um, coming off one of his worst throws as a Chief. I won't say games. I thought the game was, I'd say pretty good after rewatching, pretty good. But the throw was really bad. Um, put it in the bottom half of Alex's games. I kind of had the opinion that it wasn't mm-hmm. um, during our last show. But I'd put it in the bottom half. They made out a couple of nice deep throws too. Uh, so you got that. Um, you got Andy taking that peek at Foles. You got that Jason Cole report. And now you got Alex going on the road to play the most feared pass defense in their stadium at night. Um, 
It's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Um, and I think... I, I don't know. You, you look at the, the history of Alex with pressure. He's played good in playoff games. You like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's played decent versus the Broncos in his history, I believe, through the bad interception to Tlaib last year. It stands out. Um, but I think Sunday could very easily come down to Alex Smith. And I think there's a chance that he's rattled right now, um, that he's kind of feeling it. And I think if that's the case, I think we'll know that very early on Sunday. I think we'll be able to tell. A uh, few things to think about. Um, Denver's third down defense. They have allowed 53 conversions on 140 attempts, good for about 38%, which is pretty good. Uh, you look at like the Chiefs' third down defense. Uh, Denver had 140 third down opportunities, and they got 53 stops. The Chiefs have had 135 third downs, and they've got uh, 63. So the Chiefs are allowing 47% on third down. I think they're 30th um, in the NFL. In third yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty bad. That's a huge disparity, basically, between the two teams is that third down defense. Yeah. Um, you, you do not want to get in third and longs. Against the Broncos' pass defense. No, not that's, at all. That's a way to lose this game. If there's uh, one glaring strength that stands out above everything else in this game, it's the Broncos' pass defense, which means the Chiefs can't lose it there. You can't get in third and ten and throw this out right at the sticks. Um, it's it's dangerous. Yeah, it's you, a kind of game where a draw on third and ten isn't the worst call in the world. Um, a couple other things to keep in mind, though. So, <clears throat> Denver's defense with Wade Phillips... Um, they blitz about 40% of the time. Wade likes to throw extra rushers. And uh, on about 50% of those blitzes, they're getting pressure. Pressure being defined as a hurry, a knockdown, or a sack. That's kind of surprising with Vaughn and DeMarcus Ware coming from outside. I wouldn't think you'd have to blitz, really. Right. So, um, once some, something I wanted to look at, because you had mentioned that you know this, this may be a game that's on Alex's shoulders... Um, if Denver is essentially, you know, it says they blitz 40% of the time and half of that time they're getting pressure, let's just say one out of every five plays, then Denver is getting pressure on the quarterback. Well, the Chiefs are only allowing pressure one out of every four snaps. They're fourth best in the NFL, according to PFF, as far as um, allowing pressure. Only 26% snaps. So um, I would think that you know, when you're talking about the difference between 20 and 26% or so, like, if both teams just kind of stick to their average, then Alex is going to have a pretty normal day um, as far as what he's faced so far this year, allowing pressure. But <clears throat> a couple things to keep in mind. Alex Smith against the Blitz, and I can only do this for the couple games that I found it, um, against New Orleans, and we know New Orleans' defense is bad, but when New Orleans sent an extra rusher... Alex was 7 of 9 for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Hmm. Against Tampa last week, when Tampa sent an extra blitzer, 6 of 6 for 78 yards and a touchdown. Um, Alex, throughout his career, from what I saw, different articles from PFF dating back from like 2010. Yes. um, I mean, but that's that's not, it, it was just like three or four different things when I was basically just like Googling Alex Smith versus the Blitz. It would be like, 
you know, one article maybe each year. Yeah. So I wasn't finding much this season, and I was, man, like, searching Twitter really hard trying to find people that would just find individual game stats, which is where I got those two. But it seems like it's been a theme for Alex's career that he has a tendency to to do well when he's being blitzed. So if four out of every ten snaps, Wade's going to be sending pressure, I think that that... Like, bears well for the Chiefs, I would like to think. Um, Alex has had more time to throw. He's always had this issue with pocket presence, which seems so odd that he would be, you know, competent against blitzing. But, yeah. I mean, it's certainly shown it this year. Now, granted, I think Tampa's it just allows blitz him. and New Orleans blitz, yeah. <laughs> they have to do that in order to try to manufacture pressure yeah. versus just having a talented front like Denver where they don't have to blitz against us in order to create pressure. I mean, They I, shouldn't have to. I could see it because, I mean, Alex wants to throw short and he wants to throw quick, mm-hmm. and the blitz allows that. Yeah, uh, it does. And if it you're gives, facing it seven and space to run, if, if you're you facing an extra person, yeah, if you're facing seven in coverage, you got to read the coverage, go through your progressions. I think that's not Alex's strong game. Alex can make the one read and get the ball out against the blitz, and I think that's um, where he is. And I want to talk more about him being rattled. Rewatching that game, it, it felt like he was pressing. It felt like he wasn't playing with much confidence. Like he was trying to win the game with each throw or something. Well, I and mean, he wasn't letting the game come to him. He just seemed he seemed really frustrated a couple times, like at himself. And I think he's just... I think all this might be in his head. And he has to get over it. Has to get over it. And that's, I just wanted to touch on what I was meant by him being rattled. I'm not trying to be a dick, but like... Yeah, he, he should feel pressure right now. He should. I mean... I, I'm, not, I'm not denying that. The pressure's on. But it's his job to not let it get to him. Well, and and... Listen, I know that there are some people, especially like, uh, you know, I'd say maybe more like in my dad's generation that would say, you know, that you don't want to like coddle football players. He's a football player. But like something that people always talk about with Andy Reid and him being a player's coach and it, it you always end up seeing it like in press conferences right after the game when Andy's like, yep, that interception was 100% on me. And you're like, eh, no, it's not. Um, but he's willing to take bullets like that. I think that if they are seeing what you are seeing, or really what I think most Chiefs fans are seeing is a lack of confidence in Alex right now, not from the team, but from himself, that I think it's Andy Reid's job to sit Alex down and say, I'm not playing Nick. I'm not putting Nick Foles in the game. It's not going to happen under any circumstance. You are the quarterback, and you need to go out there and show us why we feel that way. Not to apply more pressure to him. God damn, yeah. I'll like, fire it up now. But, like, I, I think that if 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 for some reason Alex is rattled, then Andy just needs to do that. And I'm sure that he's had to do that many times before. But it's yeah. like, he needs to rein Alex in and just say, listen, dude, this is your team. This offense. This is your offense. Like, you're running the show out there. So we have all the confidence in the world in you, and you need to go out and do that. Show like who you are and what this offense can be yeah. because we've seen so so minuscule like how how often have we seen the offense look good this year like really rolling I mean it's just just very very minor um, in the in in the full season spectrum like we've just they've looked so bad so often yeah and you know you look at like so. 
Alex, man, I saw the stat from PFF and it just like hurt my heart. I mean, I know that everybody probably already knows this in some way, but to be able to statistically quantify it, um, Alex's average depth of target has been dead last under Andy Reid all three seasons. Um, and he's, <laughs> yeah. he's currently 30th and he's routinely falling about a yard and a half shy of what the league average is. Yeah. Like, they throw it so short, and that's why his completion percentage is usually high, yep. or maybe he is good against the blitz, you know. But I just, I as much as I agree with you that this, like, the pressure is on Alex and this, good, this game could very well be about Alex Smith, um, I think maybe the biggest thing for the team is that we've seen how bad the run defense has been, and... We don't stand a chance if we allow Denver to get going running the ball. I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game because neither offense has just been that great. But Denver has been so poor at running the football that I think that is more important than Alex being able to beat the best pass defense in the NFL, essentially. I think that will be a huge factor, and I think I'm looking at it like Gary Kubiak is a running game magician, mm-hmm. you could say, like kind of what Andy Reid is to quarterbacks, Kubiak is to the running game. He gets running he's, game no he's matter what. In that Shanahan thing, you know. And the Broncos are coming off a bye, yeah. and they've struggled in the running game. So I think that's going to be. It wouldn't shock me if that's where their focus was during the bye week. Let's we got to get better running the ball. What's really interesting is you can see that they're committed to it. They're committed to it more than the Chiefs are. Like, Booker is getting carries. They, I mean, they know what they have in Simeon. They know they yeah. can't put the game on Simeon's shoulders. I mean, it's it's similar situation to what that like. It's very similar. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> we, we can go down this rabbit hole if we, if we want, but uh, I think it's been hashed enough. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I, I One other thing, you know, you look at Denver's defense. We had mentioned that it is about their ability to cover, but it's also about their, their edge rush. Um, so Denver is getting healthier. Uh, we had mentioned Derek Wolf. Derek Wolf has four and a half sacks, but his productivity in those sacks has only come in three games this year. Um, you've got Shane Ray, went to Miege. Everybody knows him. He went to Missouri. He's a local guy. He's got that Chiefs tattoo, doesn't it? It's like Chiefs and Royals Royals and Sporting KC and stuff. Yeah. It's like a mural. Oh, yeah. Um, I like that guy. Well, so Shane Ray has four sacks. Three of them came in week four against Cincinnati. Like, yeah. his four sacks have come in three games. Um, D. Ford, by comparison, his ten sacks have come over six games. Like, it's spread out a little bit more, I guess. Yeah. Um, DeMarcus Ware, a guy that, um, honestly, I think DeMarcus Ware has maybe hurt the Chiefs more than Vaughn Miller has over the last few years. They put so much focus on Miller that Ware is the one that really ends up being the backbreaker. Um He's played 30 snaps each of the past two weeks after basically being out since week two. Um, so I say each of the past two weeks minus the bye that they are coming off of. So he's been able to probably get a bit fresher. I'd say he's maybe like a step ahead of Justin Houston right now. Um, but in those two games of playing the 30 snaps, he did basically nothing. He has like a tackle in 60 snaps over the past two games that he's played. Let's talk about the man the Chiefs brought in for this game. Uh, we brought in Mitch Shorts for a number of reasons, I'm sure. But more than anything, it's four games of the season. Yep. And it's to block Vaughn Miller and it's to block Khalil Mack. Yep. That's your job. Um, and and he, now it's Joey Bosa, too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. 
Um, pulled, the PFF wrote an article today talking about Mitch Schwartz, uh, his game against Von Miller last year. Um, it was by far Miller's worst pass rushing grade of the season and one of just two games in which he was held without a sack or a hit. Um, yeah, so I think it was, I think in the game last year I saw that it was, he allowed three hurries to Von Miller in the game. Yes. Um, on the other hand, Schwartz hasn't been as good this season with Kansas City as he was a year ago with Cleveland. He surrendered seven sacks already. That seems high, doesn't it? Schwartz is I know he had a couple sacks. misses in there, like, when he was dealing with the ankle, I mean, yeah. again, you know... Seven sacks seems like, like I'm a lot. just making excuses, but uh, he only gave up three last year and seven in all of 2014. Um, so, be interesting to see where that is. I mean, he's kind of known for what he did to Von Miller last year, and Von I Miller f- is incredible. Uh, yeah, Chiefs fans don't always want to hear that, but me and you have had conversations about how fucking good that guy is. He's, I think he's every bit as good as Derek Thomas was, and, and he's in his prime. We have to watch. Cover your ears, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it's it's true. He's but that's just how good he is. Like he's also as crazy. good as Derek Thomas, and he hits. And we have to watch this for five or six more seasons. Oh, like he's going to just continue to terrorize people. He's in his prime. God, give me give me 27 a seven years old, twenty eight years old. Give me a steroid scandal. I remember thinking the same way with <laughs> with Sean Merriman. Like we have to play Sean Merriman like the next ten years. Like right. I don't want to. Right. And then uh, steroids took him down, so that was well, the honestly, end of that story. The, o- the only hope for Chiefs fans was that um, he would just continue to fail drug tests, but then the whole state of Colorado <laughs> came, came behind Von Miller and said, no, 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 weed's legal, it's fine. And that was all because of Von Miller. He's that good. Damn it, I'm so... He's con- changing state legislation. I'm so conflicted, it's the Marcus Peters playoff again. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that... I, I just... I really think that these two teams are remarkably similar. Yes. They're really, really similar. We had mentioned, um, and and the defenses, I mentioned the difference on third down. Denver's basically allowing teams to, to get third down conversions 38% of the time, and the Chiefs are allowing it 47% of the time. Um, on offense, as far as converting third downs, uh, they, there's only one opportunity difference, 133 to 132. And uh, the Denver has converted 51, and the Chiefs have 47. They're like a percent and a half away from each other. More more stats on how similar these teams are. I mean, these are just straight uh, ranks. So yards per game in each category. Passing offense, Chiefs 22nd, Broncos 23rd. Rushing offense, Chiefs 22nd, Broncos 23rd. No, that was not a repeat. These teams are the exact same ranks in both passing offense and rushing offense, and right next to each other. Uh, rushing defense, Chiefs 27th, Broncos 29th. And then the only difference you really see between the teams passing defense, Chiefs 17th, Broncos 2nd. And that's just because they do it in different ways. Chiefs do it by taking the ball taking the ball away mm-hmm. and more of a bend-but-don't-break pass defense, whereas the Broncos come out, challenge you at the line, and a dominating, take-away-your-passing-game-completely kind of defense. They certainly are bend-but-don't-break. Um, I don't think that the... If if you have the the scoring numbers in front of you, it's very very similar um, what the Chiefs are giving up and what Denver's giving up. Um, but really, where that difference is is that the passing defense for Denver has allowed about six hundred fewer yards. Yep. Um, they've allowed less than two thousand yards passing on the season, and so I mean you're talking about basically two hundred a game that Denver is allowing through the air, and. 
to to look at that um, versus the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs, it's, it's almost it is kind of that like the Marcus Peters effect. You know, they keep saying that he gives up all these catches for all these yards, but then he ends up taking one away from you. And we've talked about the Chiefs' red zone defense. Teams are getting down there, but they're routinely kicking field goals. And I think the Chiefs also have forced the most number of turnovers in the red zone of any team in the league, in addition to all the other turnovers that they've forced, obviously. But I think, I want to say when Jameis fumbled, they maybe showed the stat, but the Chiefs have like six or seven red zone takeaways on the year. I think it was the seventh of the season. Yeah. And in ten games, like that's that's amazing. Incredible, yeah. incredible. Something you don't necessarily want to rely on, um, but um, a, a good uh, stat for a wide receiver. Uh, I want to give a quick recap just on the four phases of the game, just so uh, people are clear where we stand. Um, Broncos have struggled running the ball since C.J. Anderson went down. Uh, we talked about how they might be that's something they would be addressing during the bye week, mm-hmm. and we think the Chiefs' run defense is getting a little bit better. They've struggled Hopefully. most of the season. I mean, where are we at? 27th in run defense. I think they played their best game last week. It was good. It was good. And, and I think they wore down a little bit towards the end mm-hmm. uh, for being on the field so many plays and not having the depth along the defensive line that they're used to. Yeah. Um, Broncos pass offense, you talked about how they go almost, I mean. It's almost exclusively. Exclu- to, there's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Exclusively through the outside receivers. It does look like Marcus Peters will play. Um, and then we're going to have to get another corner to step up. Against those yeah. two. Don't know who it's going to be. But a good game for Peters to take one away, right? We're I look, mean... We're looking at that. I don't I don't know, like, if if Simeon's going to be one of the guys that does completely go away from him. It seemed like that was a theme prior to him not playing last week. Was that it had gotten to the point where teams were just like, all right, we're not throwing over there. Breeze didn't. Cam didn't. And ultimately, like, when Cam did, Peters took it away, even though he didn't take it away through the air. He did... I guess he did throw it him a couple times, and Peters missed that break on the ball, but... Like, I I would yeah. if Simeon is smart and if Kubiak is smart, they're gonna say yeah we're not throwing at him. He, well, eh, I mean if he's hobbled, if he's dealing with that hit, man, I mean maybe it is a good time to try to target him because they're help, dude. Their receivers are so good. Look for out and ups on them. I'll say that. <laughs> um, I think my biggest worry is getting Emmanuel Sanders in the slot on Steven Nelson. I think they took a long look at that. Uh, Steven Nelson game from last week, and uh, they want to put someone who's a positive matchup against them. Demarius doesn't really fit in the slot. If Nelson doesn't play... Although Nelson might not play. Who would be the slot corner? Gaines, I would think. I would think Gaines goes to the slot, and then you end up with Acker or White on the outside. Acker and Peters, yeah. Yep. Uh, with Parker un- in your back they, pocket. Unless they, yeah, put Parker in there, and then they try to maybe... I don't like it. I liked what I saw from Acker last week, honestly. I did too. I did too. Um... This Broncos offense, notoriously slow starters this year. One of the things that we've talked about how uh, with the Chiefs offense, you want to get a lead and then be able to kind of coast through the game, yep. essentially. Help your defense out. That'll be huge in this game. So, huge. Um, Denver has been outscored 36-10 to 10 in the first quarter of their last six games. Oh. Um, okay, that's good. The Saints game was the first time that Denver was actually leading after the first quarter all season. What? Yeah. In ten games this year, they've had a lead after the first quarter in one of them, and it was the Saints game. Holy crap. And um, Can we fact check that? That was... That, hey, producer! That that came straight from our boy, Therese Paler. Oh. Stole that one. 
Um, <laughs> I'll start out, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, and then I I also see, though, and we had mentioned this earlier in the week, but uh, just, just so everyone's aware, the Chiefs have six points on opening drives all season. Yep. And um, I would say as much as Denver has been slow starters at this point, so are the Chiefs. I think everyone looks at this team and says, if we are close at halftime, we play a lot better in the second half. The defense is really bearing down in the second half with adjustments that they make. And, um, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily the offense getting it together. It's the Chiefs have allowed some very, very small number of points in the second half. Yes. 50 or something. Second half defense has been very good. So, I mean... That's why getting a lead, I think, is important. Is you if you get to halftime and you allow your defense to sort of take over in the second half, then you're going to be in great shape. But um, I hope listeners know at this point where I stand with the Chiefs getting a lead and yeah. the, and the importance of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if you've listened before, you've probably if you don't go back and listen to our last 38 episodes, you can you'll get an idea. <laughs> right. Um. So you mentioned you mentioned how similar these two teams are. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. please. We haven't finished our recap yet. Okay. Chiefs on offense. Uh, I'm looking at Alex Smith. I want to see where his head's at. Um, I want to see if he's if he's still looking a little rattled. The the idea I got from rewatching the last Sunday's game. Mm-hmm. Um, passing offense. I I think they match up well with the Broncos just because they don't throw outside and the the Broncos' strength is outside. Except for, except for Tyreek at this point. And because they throw quick, so hopefully that can negate the pass rush. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot of Travis Kelsey. I think you'll see... It's a game where you're happy to see a lot of Andy Reid's packaged plays. What's interesting, though, that you mentioned that, uh, listening to Michael Lombardi, mm-hmm. he had talked about um, how Denver secondary is a breakfast secondary. They win at the beginning of plays. Yep. And the Chiefs are a dinner secondary, meaning they ultimately end up with a takeaway. So if we are about getting the ball out quickly, Michael Lombardi says that may not be the best thing because guys like Tlaib and Harris are so good at the line and in those first few seconds that it's about giving the pass rush time to get to the quarterback. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't want to see a bunch of horizontal throws, frankly. I do. Really? Yeah. Okay. I do. I would say we differ on that then. Okay. There's an interesting thing to watch for on Sunday. I just I don't I don't want I don't want Alex back there making reads. I just I think the pass rush is gonna get to him and I don't want him throwing to his third read against Aqib Tlaib, because he's he scares the hell out of me. I mean Aqib and for those who don't watch, Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters are remarkably similar. They both give up big plays sometimes, they're both susceptible to the double move. And they both take the ball away like crazy. Yeah, uh, and Chris Harris is just like... Chris Harris is kind of a steady guy. He's almost like... Um, they're, they're definitely not the same size or necessarily the style of play. But just as far as being considered an amazing talent without really any takeaways, he reminds me of like peak Namdi before he ended up signing with Andy Reid and the Eagles and then his career just, just you know disintegrated. Mm-hmm. But when Namdi was with Oakland... It was like, this guy has like two career interceptions, but he's widely regarded as the best cover corner in football. And that's kind of how Chris Harris is. Like, he doesn't really get takeaways, but everyone looks at him and is just like, you can't throw on this guy. Or the GOAT, Sean Smith, who has hands of bricks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know what's also, it's, and I know that like, pe- I guess people are aware of this, but they just don't think about it that often. Um, both of those guys 
KU grads. Yeah. And they played together on that Orange Bowl yep, team. Like, it's just, that's... Chris Harris was a freshman at the time. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild thing to look at. Mark Mangino's kids in the NFL. Uh, also, our guy, uh, Patrick Allen, asked, with Macklin out, any chance Denver puts uh, Harris on Travis Kelsey? Uh, I mentioned to this to you earlier, and you brought up maybe a keep to leave on Kelsey. I thought that he'd be a better fit, but from what I was reading in Therese's game plan article, he said it, he made it sound like they're just going. It's going to be TJ Ward, and some of that you cool would think, me. yeah, some of that you would think, and it's because Denver plays with so much attitude. I mean, this is something that we've seen throughout the last few years of watching Denver's defense with these guys, like. They're assholes, man. They are. I mean, they they're, they are, they are they're, paid to be assholes. Yes, and T.J. Ward. I mean, he got thrown out of a game for that dirty play on Macklin yes. on the long touchdown. Yep. Um, and but if you have a guy like T.J. Ward who loves to come up and hit, I mean, he always he's my least favorite player in the NFL. I hate him so much, which probably speaks a lot to him being effective. Yeah. Um, but him on Kelsey. With some of the maturity issues that we have seen with Travis Kelsey, too, like I think it's a great matchup. That's a plus matchup for Denver. Even if Kelsey's so much more athletic, if you can get in his head, I mean, we've already seen Travis Kelsey and Von Miller with the head ass thing. Head ass? You know, Kelsey kept thinking that he was going to be able to get the best of Von Miller, and Von Miller schooled him that game. But, I mean, there's a lot of bad blood between these teams. There is. And, and there's also, I mean, the game we went to at Arrowhead week two last year, uh, I think it was week two. Um, Broncos picked up like four or five unsportsmanlike conducts in the first half alone. Yeah. It was a... lot of personal fouls. Came out and tried to intimidate the Chiefs kind of thing. And that's they what do that. I think everybody should they expect do in this game. Oh, I yeah. Mean, Sunday night football at their house. And, and you can't just take it. You got to fight back. Like, so yeah. let's, let's... I think we have some guys that are willing to do that. Yeah. And, and let's see some balls. I don't know if it's necessarily Peters, but we really saw Chris Jones getting... Getting pretty, real feisty. Getting real pissy last week I saw in Tampa. <laughs> I'm rewatching. I saw him push someone so late after the whistle, I couldn't believe it wasn't called. I mean, I'll take it. If if the attitude that we get is from young guys, people might say that it's a lack of maturity. But you know what? I I don't I don't care. I'm not gonna write it up. You to gotta that. play with I your just, balls. I just Sunday. want people that are willing to go up against a Broncos team and and make it hard for them. Yep. I don't want this to be about. Oh man, check it out! Our game plan was so great. Like, no, I want to beat that team. Exactly. I want to punish that football team. Don't, don't. It's not a play with your head kind of game. It's not. It's not that. It's a play with your balls. Yep. Play with your balls out. You got to man up against these guys. Uh, final part of the recap: Chiefs running offense. I think we both expect the Chiefs uh, to be successful here, and if they're not, uh, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be. Can really... the Chiefs win without Spencer Ware having 75, 80 yards? Uh, no, no, I don't think they can. I think that Spencer Ware needs to have. I mean, I think we both love to see like thirty carries. Yes. Um, but I think that you know we I had mentioned his numbers as a starter. He's averaging like fifteen carries through the nine games he started this year. Um, I think you have to get you have to be committed to say Spencer Spencer Ware is going to get twenty handoffs. Like he's it's got to happen. You have to commit yourself to it, and you know. That doesn't mean that you give him 15 and you end up giving Shark 5 or 6 or something. I mean, I would love to see the Chiefs truly commit to running the football, even if it's not successful, like what Tampa did last week. You know, Tampa ended up handing the ball off 36 times or something, and they ran for less than 100 yards, but they, they were still like, we're going we're gonna to pound it. Mm-hmm. We're going to hand that ball mm-hmm. off. Um, 
I I also think so. Let's look at at the very least. You finished the recap, have you? Yeah, went through all four phases. So the Chiefs have won seven straight games in the AFC West. The last loss being Week Two to Denver. Yep. Um, in what was pretty embarrassing fashion. Now, a, only, a game where they let they had the turnover advantage five to one. Kind of forgot that in in that game. Or no, we turnover disadvantage five yeah, to one. We yeah, lost was, the turnover battle five to one. Right, We're completely the better say. team and lost the turnover battle five to one. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so the Chiefs have won seven of their last eight in the AFC West, but have lost seven of their last eight against Denver. Nice. Um, it's actually been a calendar year since these two teams have played. Over a calendar year. The last time that we played was like actually I think it was November twenty fifth, exactly a year from right now. Um. That's a long time, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I, I, I think that sometimes maybe we're uh, blowing it out of proportion, but, like, that's a long time for that loss that we put on Denver, the one in Denver last year. Yep. You remember when Peyton Manning threw four interceptions, I including remember. on the opening drive to my boy Marcus Peters? You you remember being up 10 nothing after the first quarter? You remember being up 29 to nothing in the fourth quarter and before Denver scored 13 garbage time points? You remember Sharkandrick West's 80-yard touchdown catch and run? I do. Um, you remember Cairo Santos' five field goals? <laughs> <laughs> of course I do, because of the stat. Peyton Manning completions, five. Cairo Santos' field goals, five. It was phenomenal. It was the only day I've uh, trended in Kansas City, so of course I remember that. That was, I think, probably, I would say, the high point of the Chiefs' season outside of winning 30 to nothing the first playoff game in however many years. Uh, Twenty of them, I think, actually. Um, but outside, I mean, those were those were almost like doubly peak moments for us. I mean, winning a playoff game is obviously a huge thing, but like to finally beat Peyton Manning and Denver yeah. and do it in Denver the way that they did was just it was incredible. And so, even though Denver did win the Super Bowl, um, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm sure that they eh. they they have they've got some bad blood there. Yeah. But you also have to look at. Um, when Denver played New England for the AFC Championship, they were being asked, like, what what do you guys think you can take from the Chiefs game against New England? And you've got quotes from guys like Aqib Tlaib that are like, the Chiefs are garbage. We can't take anything from that. Mm-hmm. They did nothing against that team. Yep. We don't. We don't even need to look at what New England did because the Chiefs are trash. Um, a lot, a lot of bad blood between the two teams. And bad blood. <laughs> I hope that's the end song. Uh, the funny thing about that game, people kind of like wipe it away, like it was a non-game kind of thing. Like, yeah, anybody could have beat the Broncos that day. Uh, the Vegas spread going into that game, Broncos favored by four and a half. The Vegas spread going into this game, Broncos favored by three and a half. Hmm. So the people who know more about football than anybody, um, except us. Vegas thought it was more likely the the Broncos that that matchup last year favored the Broncos more than this one does on Sunday, which is kind of funny. All right, um, I know that you want to do a jersey swap, uh, but before that, I've got one final question for you. Okay, we've talked about throughout the entire show how similar these teams are. Really, the the primary difference between the two being the pass defense. Yep. Basically, Denver has elite corners. Who would you rather be? Which team...
do you think is more set up for success right now and even beyond 2016? But let's just say for right now, not just for Sunday, um, but like for 2016, your goal is to win a Super Bowl. Would you rather have the Denver Broncos roster and coaching staff or the Kansas City Chiefs roster and coaching staff? Oof. Oof. I mean, it's, um, it's a tough situation, man. I think they are nope. they're they're so similar. I know we've tried to kind of bear that out, but like these teams are remarkably similar. Uh, I think 2016, I'd lean lean Broncos, and for the future, I'd lean Chiefs. I think there's more talent on the Chiefs roster, more young talent. Mm-hmm. But the Broncos is how I build at least my defense. Like, pass rushes and corners. Yeah. And then let the rest suffer. I think the big difference that you see between the Chiefs defense and the Broncos defense is, like, it's it's basically having somebody opposite Marcus Peters. Um, I think that Denver's a little bit deeper in the pass rush. Yes. But, like, I mean, the Chiefs are, I would say, in my opinion, significantly better at safety. I think that they're... Probably, let's just say, in the middle of the field, I think that they're a better football team than Denver is. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But but the Chiefs have, you know, you've got D. Ford starting to show that he looks like he can be a really good football player, and Justin Houston coming back from injury. And I would say that DeMarcus Ware and Tomba's kind of a wash right now. No, DeMarcus is better. Okay. So, I mean, unless he's fallen off completely and I haven't seen him, but DeMarcus is still. He had two sacks in two games to start the season. Yeah. And Tomba hasn't produced anything much much of all this season yeah tough, um, tough spot but I mean they have Von Miller and I think he and he and Justin Houston I would say are fairly similar in talent I mean they they play differently but like they're those are the the two best pass rushers in the NFL mm-hmm. um and Shane Ray I don't know if he's going to be as good as D Ford or vice versa you know and then they also have a guy in Shaq Barrett like you're that's they're pretty similar yeah and then you get to corner, and we've talked about how Peters and Tlaib are very similar. Peters is much younger, yep. but they have Chris Harris over there, and the Chiefs have five different guys that we can't figure out if any of them exactly, are exactly. And Chris Harris, he's 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 my guy. He's that slot corner. Very very good. I, I do like me a slot corner. He's he's probably the best in the NFL. Uh, so yeah, I, it's a good question. I would yeah, I think just right now. Vaughn's on a different level than anybody, even D. Yeah. And I like how their defense is built more, and their offense is... It's, the offense is void of talent on both teams, I think. Or maybe void of production, I guess. But you have kind of the staple, which is the Andy passing game versus the Kubiak running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think... I don't know. I'd, I'd lean Denver slightly now. Chiefs for the future. I don't, I don't think I have a strong... Indication either way. I almost think that I prefer the Chiefs right now, primarily because I would say that like you have a veteran quarterback. I don't know how much better he is than what Denver has at quarterback. But then I look at the future and it's like, at at least Denver has Paxton Lynch, essentially. And I'm not like I I know that that's being really reductive. I do think that the Chiefs have a tremendous amount of young talent. They're a very young football team outside of, essentially, like, as far as guys that contribute every single game that have to be out there and make plays for us, the old guys that we have are Derek Johnson, Tomba Ali, the punter, 
<laughs> and Alex Smith. Yep. Outside of that, the, the team is really, really young. Yeah, that's why I never understood the, like, it has to be this year for the Chiefs. Like, no, I think we're set up for 2020 better than we are 26. Or what year is it? 2016? Yeah. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. And some of that's going to be about replacing Alex Smith. And not just because you want to get an upgrade, but, like, because you have to. Yeah. He's old. Um, and replacing Derek Johnson. Like, those those are the two primary spots. Because if you have... Because Tom has already been replaced. Yeah, if he, if he really has been, you know, you do want a third pass rusher, but you're essentially looking at you need... The guy that's going to take over for DJ and the guy that's going to take over for Alex. Basically, those two guys right in the middle of what you do on both sides of the ball. Yep. Um, just swap. Also, tell me who your Pretty- bad blood is so that I can, I, I'll can play it. I don't know who the artist is. Katy Perry. Katy Perry? I mean, I think. I think it's Katy Perry. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't. It's, it's Katy Perry. It is Katy Perry. <laughs> Closet Carry Katy Perry fan over here. I do have an album of hers on my phone. I, I will admit that. Uh, what about predictions? Uh, yeah, okay. I think the Chiefs are winning. Um, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that kind of waffles in these games. I'll give you like a, a reason. Like the game will swing in this factor. Um, I think the Chiefs are winning. I think the Chiefs will be able to run the ball. I think the offense started clicking last week. They just didn't finish drives. Um, I think they match up well with the Broncos because the Broncos' strengths are the Chiefs' weaknesses, so it's it's already kind of built in like that. Uh, and I think the Chiefs are just ready to respond. I think uh, I think they've been kind of lollygagging for a few weeks, and I think they're ready to explode, and I think it happens on Sunday. And I just want to say, this game is so important. This game is fucking everything. Because you lose, you fall back into a tie with the Dolphins, who get the 49ers on Sunday, uh, and that's for the final wild, wild card spot. If you win... You defeat the five-time defending champ. You probably bury them. You do it in their own house. And you control your own destiny in the AFC West. Like, this game is everything. I, um... I don't... I... I I don't have a good feeling about it, personally. Um, A lot of it is just trying to look at what we know. What do we know about these two teams right now? We know that Denver's coming off a bye week and it's probably as healthy as they've been all season. Yep. And we know that the Chiefs are really banged up. And it um, almost kind of reeks of like Patriots Chiefs last year, where the it was this huge injury report and like who's going to play, who's not going to play, and all the Patriots played and all the Chiefs didn't play. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's not the Broncos don't have that many questions, but they're completely healthy, and the Chiefs have what did we say earlier six starters or something not practicing on a Friday. Yeah, and I mean. I think that most of them, just because of the stakes, are going to try to give it a go, um, if if at all possible. You know, Marcus Peters. Who do we need? Mo- it seems like Peters is a go. Um, Who else do we yeah, need? Yeah, but most? I mean, Andy Reid said last week, like he tried like hell to go out there and play, but he was in too much pain. He couldn't do it. Who's most important to play? Um, Macklin, Poe, or shit? What was the other one I had in my head? D or D fourth. Which of those three do we most need? I mean, it's almost impossible to say. Uh, this is, is this is getting real geeky, but like yeah. I I read that their center Matt Paratus has been like the key cog in them being successful running the ball between the tackles when they've done well. It's been Paratus playing well, mm-hmm. and so they're calling him like an ascending player. If Dontari Poe doesn't play, and we don't know if Jay Howard is playing, then who plays nose tackle? 
Like we don't we don't have another big guy. It's essentially you're going to put Chris Jones there. Yeah. And then we're starting Rochez. We basically know that at this point that Nunes Rochez is going to start. Yeah. But do, like Kendall Reyes is also on the injury report. Like we don't even know who the other defensive end is. Do Jenkins. We have, Something do we Jenkins. To, yeah, Jenkins. Do we have to play nickel all week? Like did you guys or all game? Like are we going to? Bring in Nick Williams or David King or something like. Well, I don't even know where the depth is on the defensive line. That's a good question. So, I did. I did notice we went a four three a little bit last week. Right. So I mean, if I don't if know if we'll be able to do that this week. If you don't have Poe, like that's a disaster. Um, I want D Ford to play, and I want Justin Houston to play. Very, you know, I want both these guys to play well, primarily because Denver's right tackle situation exactly. is absolutely atrocious. Yeah, something we haven't touched on. They're Gary both. Kubiak says they're both playing. Yeah, he's like they will both play. Verbatim says that. So they've got Donald Which, Stevenson, our old buddy, who is awful, and then a local guy uh, that played at Colorado State out there, Ty Sambrello who's also been awful despite being a high draft pick. Both of these guys are like second or third rounders that have just not played well at all. Now, he says they're both going to play. Does that mean you think they're going to split snaps or they're going to try and like duct tape them together <laughs> and try to make one competent right tackle out of the two crappy ones? I, I have no idea. Because the Broncos aren't above taking a little advantage here and there. They, they I, I, oil up their jerseys, play dirty. Not going to shock me to see both right tackles duct tape together and be like, this one guy. It's yeah. one guy. They're going to slap a, a 7X jersey on him. I could see it. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know, man. Sam Brulison. I, I also think, I mean, if you don't have Peters, like, we talked about how good those wide receivers are, and Peters just changes the entire complexion of the defense. And really, like, it just, it, like, puts the focus of the opposing offense to, like, all these other areas of the field. Like, they have to just... They don't even want to look in that direction for the most part. And I just... All three of them are so important. And then that's not even mentioning if Jeremy Macklin. Like, if Macklin is out there, it can make a huge difference because you would think that in some way, even if you're not throwing him the ball, it neutralizes one of their corners. Being able to ask, should one of these corners be on Travis Kelsey, is something that we shouldn't have to worry about. Oh, yeah. Because if you can, if you can start... Macklin and it's Conley and Tyreek and however you want to mix those guys out there. I don't care who plays what spot, but that takes their that's going to take Tlaib and Harrison Roby. Like those corners will. And don't get me wrong, they are better than our wide receivers are. Oh yeah, but that's what the matchups oh, I, will be. See, I would just think I'd throw Conley and and Albert Wilson out as wide as you can put them. Yep. And drag those two out of the game, and then don't even look at them. Operate in the middle of the field. Which is kind of scary, but it's also, it's, it's what we do well, and it's what the Broncos don't do well. Yeah. So that's why I like that matchup right there. Um, I think what this may end up coming down to, uh, there is a lot about health, but um, these are two veteran coaches, been around a long time, they've seen a lot in this league, and the staffs are, are almost entirely veteran too. Childress has been around a long time. Uh, I think it's Rick Dennison is their offensive yep. coordinator. He's been around a long time. You've Dennison. Got, you've got Wade Phillips and Bob Sutton. Like These are older coaching staffs, and I, I think that's what it may end up coming down to. Like, who who ends up... I don't. It's not that necessarily one team's going to coach the pants off of the other one, but... It's possible. 
Denver has two weeks to prepare, and the Chiefs are on a short week and they're banged up. I would say that you mentioned like this game is everything. If the Chiefs go out and win, even if it's like a really, really tight game and they pull it off at the very end, Cairo Santos kicking a field goal as time expires the or something. Seventh field goal of the day. It it doesn't matter how they win. If the Chiefs win, it's a statement. Oh hell yeah. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Because then like, you got Denver. This isn't this can't this isn't like a passive win, like, oh well, we barely beat Jacksonville or Oh, we came back against Carolina. Or even if they would have beat Tampa on Sunday and it would have been Chiefs 19-17, that's all, that's, none of that matters the way that this kind of win would. Going to Denver on Sunday night with your team in the shape that it is right now, playing terribly three weeks in a row. Bad football three weeks in a row. Um, it's, it's a big, important game. Yep. And then if you win, you get both Denver and Oakland still coming to Arrowhead. So it puts you in a, a power position, I would say. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I feel satisfied. Uh, I would say that, um, just quick correction, because there actually is some bad blood between the two of them. Bad blood is not a Katy Perry song. It's actually a Taylor Swift song, and they hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, but, I went on that whole rant earlier. I have the Taylor Swift album on my phone, not the <laughs> Katy Perry album. Uh <laughs> I'm actually. I would say. I would say that, as far as their music is concerned, I definitely uh, like Taylor Swift more. But as far as like their faces and bodies are concerned, I definitely like Katy Perry more. I just want to say this about Taylor Swift. I like her music a lot, but I think she's just a terrible person. Is she a terrible person? I don't oh, yeah. know. She's a terrible she person. Okay. Well, I know that uh, she's feuded with your boy Kanye, and so you're just like, nope, get out of here. Oh, I'm giving the yeah. Kanye. I'm giving the the. Kanye stance to Taylor Swift as well. Okay. Um, all right. Well, this, folks, has been Amateur Hour. This is uh, it's Taylor Swift. I hope you guys came for Taylor Swift. And uh, let's do some let's do some jersey swap. Because I mean, we're playing the Broncos. Jersey swap. We want, we want to show some respect to our Denver brethren. You know, we do this every week. Um, it's spreading throughout the NFL, but it's a chance to highlight some of the past players from the team we like. Um, Broncos, Jersey Swap. How about Maurice Claret? Huh? How about him? He was good. <laughs> Marcus Nash. He was a first-round receiver. He had, he had four catches in his career. That wasn't good. Big-time Bronco. How about Tim Tebow? <laughs> He's... Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. All the, I remember like, like trying to go through this list, and I don't think either one of us said anything about Tebow. Tebow won a playoff. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I still like Tebow. Um, Cody Latimer. I think he's still on the team, but we don't really know because he's so terrible. Alfonso Smith. How about Raheem Moore? He who gave up the the Hail Mary, pseudo-Hail Mary to Baltimore in the playoff loss. Can you believe Denver didn't win the Super Bowl? We look at all these, like, flawed teams in the NFL right now. The Broncos then had, like, Vaughn Miller and Tlaib and Chris Harris and this Peyton Manning offense, and they didn't win a playoff game. That's fine. Uh, how about uh, Ashley Lalee? He was great. <laughs> great Bronco. Great Chief, too. Yeah, I had, a, I had an epic Chiefs career. Uh, Javon Walker? I like Javon Walker. I mean, I know he played for Denver and the Raiders, but like, I I, <laughs> I liked Javon Walker. It's all right. He sucked for both of them. Yeah. He was, he was good in Green Bay before he just started having all the injuries. Javon Walker is like... 
I, I feel like I can compare him and Denario Alexander like guys that when they were healthy they were really really successful but they just like kept their bodies just kept falling apart yeah Javon probably did it for longer but yeah I'm with you, I'm with you. had more healthy seasons how about Brock Osweiler I don't know if we can really throw that in their face because they got rid of him no yeah. let's, let's not I mean, no he's not he's not including the jersey swap. no don't want Brock's jersey let's finish off with uh, Josh McDaniels how about the Josh McDaniels era in Denver so does that mean uh, is the Josh McDaniels jersey swap that we get his visor or <laughs> Yeah. I do I do remember and remember very fondly the hand the, the handshake gate or yeah. whatever. With McDaniels and Haley? Yeah. Yep. Todd. Yep. My man. I remember him starting out six and zero in a season. I think that they finished like eight and eight or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh yeah, Josh McDaniels. They're saying that he may be uh, a candidate in Green Bay. If if I like that. I think, it, I think it'd be pretty interesting. I think McDaniels is going to be a good guy. I think if McDaniels gets to take over and have Aaron Rodgers and, like, no media in Green Bay, yeah. like, it's the perfect situation yeah. for him to not have to worry about anything. I think people will be lining up over themselves to coach the Green Bay Packers. Like, hey, you get Aaron Rodgers at age 32 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, does that sound fun? Yeah. yeah. All right, well, uh, let's freaking win on Sunday, right? Yep. Alright guys, we'll see you next week. Fuck the Broncos. Hey, I really enjoyed that. Congratulations, honey. You were great.